Good evening and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah, and I'm the ministry assistant at Heritage. And tonight, we will be discussing a passage of Scripture that sounds as if it was written yesterday as we continue our series in the book of Romans. As always, if you would like to join our conversation or if you'd like prayer, we have call screeners standing by for the hour, and they can be reached at 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt. Today in service, I realized just how close we are to Resurrection Sunday. It was kind of a surprise. Yeah, just a few weeks away. Yeah. April 9th is Resurrection Day, and Crucifixion Day is that Friday. We have services also on that Friday, April 7th. Mm. If any of our listeners would like to come, they can definitely give us a call. We can give them information. But on Sunday, April 9th, we're going to have a great service. Our yep. choir is going to be singing. And mm-hmm. I think somebody else is going to do a special song <laughs> that day, Mike. Uh, tell I, may, me. I may even be playing my trumpet, oh, but oh. don't make me nervous, Pastor. Uh, okay, well, we're looking forward to that, Micah. Whenever you play your trumpet, it is a very special occasion. Oh, thank you, yeah. And uh, so come on out, dear friends. If you're in the area of New York City, if you're in New Jersey, you just jump on that PATH train, boom, right to Christopher Street. We're half a block from there. Any trains you could take uh, into the city and then just get on that 1 or 9 train to Christopher Street or go to West 4th Stop. That's the easiest way. And then at 11 a.m., our service, come right over to 490 Hudson Street, right in PS3. We'd love to have you. And we have a very special guest this evening in our studio, Pastor Jim Bickle. We've been friends for many years, brother, and it's such a joy. And thank you for coming on to our Heritage of Faith Conversation program tonight. Thank you. It's yeah. My pleasure. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your ministry as well in Sheepshead Bay, uh, Brooklyn, a Bethel Baptist Fellowship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we planted Bethel Baptist Fellowship some 25 years ago, and uh, we're very thankful for what God's done there. We, uh, my wife and I, uh, raised our children in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, we're just thankful that uh, the Lord spared them and yeah. they're serving the Lord, they're walking with the Lord. And so it can be done. And we're thankful for the heritage of faith that we've been able to pass on to our children. Amen. Uh, tell listeners if they want to find your church and visit your church out there in the Sheepshead Bay area or from Brooklyn. Yeah, we're located at 2304 Voorhees Avenue in Sheepshead Bay. And uh, the B and the Q train uh, service the area. You can get off at uh, the Voorhees uh, uh, Avenue Station, and you can walk a few blocks down to our church. We're at 23rd Street and Voorhees Avenue. We have services on Sunday at 10 a.m., and then a, a second service at 12.15 with a little luncheon in between. Okay, sounds good. Praise the Lord, Pastor Bickle. Well, we're so glad to have you with us tonight. <clears throat> and so we had a pastor's fellowship a couple years ago, I guess, and in that fellowship, you spoke from Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and following. And as we were were studying Romans and as we were considering this passage, 
we just thought it would be great for you to come on and share with us your insights into this very important passage of Scripture. So we're going to look into it tonight. We're going to, the, a theme to this passage is when God gives up. That particular statement is made three times, that God gave them up. In verse 24, 26, and then 28, God gave up a culture and a people to do their own sinful inclinations. So we're going to look at this passage tonight, and we do believe it has very important con- uh, practical implications mm-hmm. for us as well, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, every, every scripture in the Bible is relevant. Somehow this particular scripture is super relevant. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into it. We're going to read beginning at Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to start it out tonight at verse number 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Amen. And Pastor Bickle, please lead us out in prayer tonight. All right. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Scripture and for this particular passage this evening. We're so grateful that you haven't left us to grope in the dark. You've given us such good direction here in this passage And it gives us insight into our current conditions in our city and in our country, our culture. 
Now, Lord, we pray that you would use this and our time together tonight in this passage to work in each heart. You have something for each one, and I pray that you'd anoint them with your spirit so that they would receive exactly what you have for them. Work to your glory. Use this time tonight to bring people into a right relationship with you, we pray, Lord Jesus. And we'll be very grateful for that and uh, want to give you the honor and the praise this evening for this time we have together in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So a few years ago, the church sent Debbie and I to Greece. Greece. And we yeah. went, we were in the middle of Corinth and walked down Main mm. Street, Corinth. Mm. And one of the incredible things about that city, of course, is many people believe, and I believe, that this book of Romans was penned while Paul was in Corinth. And that was 2,000 years ago. But it's as if Paul was right in the middle of Manhattan <laughs> of the year 2023 describing our present culture in this passage of Scripture. Yeah. Because fallen man who goes in rejection and rebellion against God will just end up in the same place mm. of willful ignorance, idolatry, and immorality. And that's really what we see in this passage, that man has just ended up in a place of anarchy against God. So, incredibly, this passage says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. It's as if the culture he describes here is under his wrath. Mm-hmm. And I guess my question to start it out, Pastor Bickle, is what is this wrath that Paul is talking about here? And do you see that America is under some form of this wrath of God mm-hmm. today? Mm-hmm. That's a very good question, Pastor Matt. I am convinced that what Paul wrote here in Romans 1 is being played out and parallels our current uh, city and culture, mm. our country. Mm. And I think uh, the, the thing to recognize here is that there are two kinds of judgment that God uh, delivers to a people that turn their back on him. There is the kind of judgment that was poured out on Sodom and Gomorrah, which is an yeah. active, uh, overt uh, you know the raining of fire and brimstone yeah. or sulfur on that uh, on those five cities of the plain yeah. that's not the kind of judgment that is uh, referred to as the wrath of god here in romans 118 actually it is a passive judgment that is mm. perhaps even more subtle and uh, and sad because it's simply god kind of washing his hands mm-hmm. of a people and letting them do what they want to do so that they self-destruct and they implode from the inside. Yeah, and that is what's happening. That's that expression where God gave them up and God gave them over to do just what they want to do, which is really self, some form of, of self-destruction. Micah, did you want to add to that? Yeah, I, as I think about the wrath of God, you know, I, I don't forget that God is described throughout the scriptures as merciful and long-suffering. Mm-hmm. Over and over we see in the Old Testament, God often waits years to finally pour down his wrath on people, both Jew and Gentile, because he always gives them a chance to repent. 
But eventually, when the warnings go unheeded, God's patience is replaced with judgment. And then it's a perfect mm-hmm. judgment. Deuteronomy 32.4 tells us, His work is perfect, for all His ways are judgment. Later, just and right is He. So I totally agree um, that Western civilization, particularly America, is now under this judgment. Um, because while America has never been perfect, there was a level of godliness for many decades. And that has slipped away, I would say, over the past 60 years. And in my opinion, Romans 1 is the definitive passage diagnosing the spiritual disease that has spread throughout our country. And Scripture really lays out the long-term effects of that disease. Yeah, and God's wrath as well is controlled It's under the absolute control of his sovereign will and of a perfect balance of all of his attributes. So God's wrath is consistent Mm -hmm. with who he is, even consistent with his love, his mercy, his holiness, his patience, as you mentioned, and his righteousness. And God's wrath is not to be trifled with. So, dear friend, if you have not yet come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, The Bible does speak that when we die, we will go to either heaven or hell. And hell is experiencing this wrath of God for all eternity. And we would wish that upon no man. And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if you need to call out to the Lord, give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. So as we dive into this passage, we're, we're going to see Pastor Bickle, and I heard your message on this, so we're really kind of using the outline that you shared with us, because it was such a great message when we heard you preach. You talked about three causes that, that lead God to give up and deliver a culture to wrath, and then the consequences, three consequences, and then a cure from being given up to that wrath of God. So there are three major reasons or causes that describe how we got to where we are. I think in your message, you're, you're, it was where we are and how we got here, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and so the causes, so the, the first cause is that they, they hold the truth in unrighteousness. So can you give us a little further explanation of what does Paul mean here and what does Paul reveal about what it is to hold the truth in unrighteousness in verses 18 and 19. Yeah, actually, the the phrase that they hold the truth in unrighteousness uh, literally is that they are holding down the truth. Yeah. In other words, it is a truth suppression that's going mm. on here. And uh, so, really... What we have in in this passage is a is progressive stages of how people turn their back on God, and it begins with this suppression of the truth. You know, we see it in our own country. It's called censorship. Mm-hmm. We see the censorship of the truth, and we see uh, people calling uh, good evil and evil good. Mm-hmm. That is a excellent example of what it means. To yeah. hold the truth in unrighteousness. Yeah, truth suppression. And there's, it's almost like, so truth is intellectually known, but then they hold it down in suppression, in absolute denial. Almost like I picture a strong wrestler holding down his opponent to keep him from rising. Mm. And that's what so many leaders in our culture, thought leaders in the education, educational uh, realm. They're holding down the truth and suppressing it and keeping people and censoring 
the truth from those who need to have it. Yeah. Well, another way I thought of saying men who hold the truth in unrighteousness is men who embrace and proclaim fake news. You know, Jesus said, I am the truth. So Mm. these men, they reject the truth. They're rejecting him, most importantly. But eventually, they reject all truth. And again, we're diving into the section of Scripture which describes the exact days we're living in. And Pastor Bickle mentioned censorship. And I'll, I'll just give one example that goes along those lines. You know, there's a giant news story today known as the Twitter Files which has gotten very little attention in the mainstream media. And it's this revelation of the records kept by the former leadership of the world's most influential social media site. And those records show that beyond a shadow of of a doubt, big government, big pharma, and big tech have been coordinating behind the scenes to censor and suppress tons of information that has turned out to be true. And then they have spread tons of information that has turned out to be false. And it's a big deal because it exposes why it's so difficult these days to tell what's true, what's partially true, and what's completely false. So when you embrace disinformation, it has real-world consequences in terms of banking, medicine, and the military. But more importantly, Paul says that there's a spiritual impact on civilization as well, and we'll talk about that tonight. Yeah. And so that which may be known of God, it says in verse 19, is manifest in them. Mm -hmm. The truth is even revealed to them in their conscience, in their intellect, and in their thinking. But they hold it down and they suppress it. God has showed man something of who he is, even apart from the Bible. And that's really what verse 20 gets into, Mm -hmm. doesn't it, Micah? Yeah. Where this truth suppression then leads almost to like a truth rejection, where truth is deliberately rejected, where Paul says the invisible things from the creation, which are clearly seen, are rejected. So how is the invisible God rejected, even though he has made himself manifest to those who, who ought to know him? Yeah. Well, I'll I'll just read verse 20 again. It's such a great verse. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. And it's absolutely true. You know, when we observe creation with any level of reason and common sense, the more we observe, the more proof there is of a divine creator. So whether you're looking at the universe on a micro level, considering the intricacies of atoms, DNA, or the human cell, or on a macro level, considering the sun, the moon, the stars, and the planets, all clearly reveal God's intelligent design. Yeah. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, we gave a lot of scientific examples of this when we did our series, Pastor, on yeah. uh, Back to the Beginning a few months back. But I also love the artistic evidence for a creator because no great work of art happens by accident. I was on a flight uh, just last week from Fairbanks, Alaska to Anchorage, and I took a photo of perfectly formed wave patterns in the clouds near Mount Denali. And the clouds, they actually look like ocean waves that could be surfed. And when I did some research later, I saw that while that perfect wave pattern in clouds is super rare, it does happen. And you got a picture of it? Yeah, I did. Oh, <laughs> I have to see it. Scientific explanation. Yeah, I'll show it to you. Um, but it just struck me that those clouds formed a shape that we often see in nature, exhibiting something called the golden ratio, uh-huh. uh, seen in the nautilus shell, the human ear, hurricane wind patterns, and even the spin of galaxies. And the reason why each of these bear a similar shape and pattern is because they share a common designer, and it's God master artist. Amen. You know, it's so clear here that the invisible God reveals his glory through 
the visible universe. Mm -hmm. Even if somebody doesn't have a shred of scripture or if they've never heard the name of Jesus. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But God has revealed himself Mm. through the visible universe. Pastor Bickle, did you want to add to that? Well, yeah, you know, he he says in this uh, passage that as a result, people are without excuse. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't matter whether a person has a Bible or not. There's enough evidence just in creation itself to reveal the fact that there is a creator, as Micah said, a designer, and also that... Uh, that he is all powerful, and it reveals yeah. the Godhead of God. It reveals the Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, the the fact of the matter is that uh, Triune God is a God that is in perfect fellowship. Each three in one, each person of that Godhead is in loving fellowship one with another, and even in that, uh, there is a revelation of. Uh, the right kind of relationships that human beings ought to have as they observe God's order in the universe so that we're out without excuse. And when you put that together also with what he says in chapter 2 and verses 14 and 15, where the nations uh, by nature uh, do the things that are contained in the law because the law is written in their hearts through their conscience. When you have conscience and creation put together, you have yeah. a people, no matter where they are, that are without excuse before God. Yeah. Henry Morris says that the term Godhead has been understood to refer to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you do you believe Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, Henry yeah. Morris further talks about how our creation is a tri-universe, a time, spa, uh, space, and mass universe, a kind of a, a triune universe, mm-hmm. those three elements, mm-hmm. because a triune God created our world and our universe, so that that term Godhead is mm-hmm. very powerful there. And so God's omni, omnipotence as well as even his nature is revealed through the creation. Now, Micah, getting more into this, Pastor mm-hmm. Bickle referenced that all men are without excuse. What do you say is also the importance of that statement? Mm-hmm. Can you build and elaborate on that? Yeah, well, the statement is super important because it applies to every human being. You know, you don't need a microscope. You don't need a telescope to understand that there's a God. You only need a rational mind. And maybe you don't even need that. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart. In other words, the knowledge of God is automatically inside every human heart because God put it there. Yes, we can observe the creation and the seasons and the patterns, but we don't even need to. God put the knowledge of his existence inside of us. Um, That Ecclesiastes passage, it goes on to say, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. That is to say, the knowledge of God is so vast that man can never come to the end of it. So, According to the scripture, Pastor, man doesn't have to strive to believe in God. It actually requires striving to suppress that belief. And based on this, you know, I would say that deep down, even atheists know that there's a God, and therefore they are without excuse. Hmm. Yeah, but when, when we as Christians preach the gospel and we say that you have to believe on Christ, I do believe one of the biggest objections of the pagan world is that, well, what about those people who yeah. have never heard? Mm-hmm. And Romans 1 and Romans 2 really give us 
some of the best answers to that. Mm. And really, I turned the question around. What about all the people who have heard mm-hmm. and have rejected the truth? Yeah. And what about all the people who even saw the truth, Jesus Christ, and rejected him and crucified him. Yeah. And what about all the Christians who know the truth and as it has set them free, but we so do so little with it, mm. you know? So mm-hmm. we're commissioned to go into all the world. Mm. God cannot be blamed uh, for those who have not heard the truth because the heavens declare mm. his glory and he speaks 24-7 to people everywhere of his power and of his Godhead, mm-hmm. of who he is mm-hmm. to all men. And all men are with, they have no legal defense. They have no leg to stand upon. Yeah. Pastor, you know, can I actually ask you a question? I, you know, I grew up in church and I always believed in God. Even if I wasn't always walking with God, I yeah. definitely always believed him. So at one point, I believe you said that you didn't believe in God. Do you? Okay, so I made that statement that deep down that even yeah. atheists know there's a God. Was that true of you? That was true of me. That was true it was true of me. And I, I can't talk for every man. Right. But I was trying to convince myself. I was yeah. suppressing the suppressing truth. It. Okay. And, and then I would even take God's name in vain sometimes. I'm like, if I don't believe in God, why am I taking his name in vain? Mm-hmm. And and. So, yes, I knew deep down I was trying to convince myself of a lie. Mm. I, I, I definitely believe that. And I believed it then, actually. Yeah. Like a, yeah. And John says that it is uh, the Lord, he lights every man that cometh into the world. Yeah. Yeah. And so right. there is a natural light that Jesus himself gives to every human being. Amen. Amen. Okay, and if you have a question, dear friend, you want to get to us right now, you want to ask Pastor Jim Bickle, who is visiting with us tonight in studio from Bethel Baptist Fellowship. His church is in Sheepshead Bay, and if you live in that area of Brooklyn or New York City, you definitely want to visit Bethel Baptist Fellowship and Pastor Bickle and the great people there at his church. And so give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. So if you have any questions or you want to join our conversation or maybe you need prayer, maybe you have a friend who is a declared atheist and you want to just pray for that loved one or that friend, Mm. give us a call. And our call screeners would love to pray with you tonight for them at 929-333-3739. Get to us right now. Okay, so we've talked about truth suppression truth rejection now that leads to a third stage doesn't it pastor jim where then there's a truth elimination so what happens when man eliminates god from his thinking and i'm especially looking at verses 21 down through verse 23 verse 25 in this passage yeah it's uh, very clear that uh, when truth is eliminated when truth gets eviscerated from a culture, that uh, something has to replace that. Uh, Mm. It's not a vacuum. Mm. And so there's an exchange that's made, and people exchange truth for untruth or truth for lies. They You know, it's been said that uh, human beings are incurably religious. That's right. And the fact of the matter is all people, no matter who they are or where they are, they worship something. And it's trite, but it's true. There is a hole in the human heart that only God can fill. And so if you reject the truth of God, you're still going to worship. And you're going to substitute his truth 
for whatever you claim to be truth. You know, this climate change is a worship system. It's a false religion. When it's really analyzed, it is man worshiping the creation. Yeah. And uh, one of the, I think that one of the sacrifices is abortion. It all fits together in this religion. So you shut your heart to the light of God, and you're without understanding, Paul says in Ephesians 4, and then you rationalize and you, just, uh, you try to justify your own ideas, and then you look for cultural approval. That's where we are. Yeah, it's, it's like the academia and the, the thinkers in our culture, they, they told a big lie. They said, we can't have the Bible and prayer in our Christian school. We can't teach religion in the Christian schools. But they started teaching their own religion yeah. because they have a, a belief of where they came from through evolution. They have a, a belief of who should enter into life, you know, through abortion and, and through all of that. And then they have an eschatology of how the world's going to end. As mm-hmm. you mentioned, a mm-hmm. climate, it's really their eschatology for the end of the world, exactly. right? Yeah. So it, it, it's all a cultural religion yeah. that is being preached that has taken over to a great extent our great the leaders of, of our land and, and our educational system that has really got a hold of our young people. Yeah. So it's just unbelievable. So in other words, what you said there is so important, Pastor Bickle, that man could eliminate the Bible and God from his thinking, but he's still religious. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't stopped worshiping. He's just going to worship something else. Exactly. And the way I look at it is that when a man actually eliminates the truth, their heart actually goes into overdrive mm-hmm. to construct a multitude of gods mm-hmm. that, that are after his own imagination that will accept him as he is because these, these gods are in his own image, not in the image of God, mm-hmm. but after four-footed, four-footed birds and yeah. beasts and creeping things. In other words, they will accept a person as depraved as they are living in that depravity, they'll be fine, mm-hmm. almost, is mm-hmm. an idea. Mm-hmm. Micah, did you want to add to this? You know, I just find that phrase, their foolish heart was darkened, to yeah. be incredibly mm-hmm. telling and descriptive because it's through the rejection of the Creator God, who can be clearly seen in His creation, that His spiritual blindness falls over man. And how many times in the last couple of years have we asked ourselves the question, why can't people see what's right in front of their eyes? And I heard it asked another way recently, you know, People are being told to uh, not believe their lying eyes or to believe their, not to believe mm. their lying eyes. And, you know, according to this passage, that's what's happened is that because the nation, because a people group, because a civilization has rejected God, we have become spiritually blinded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly what Paul says in Ephesians 4, where he says mm. they walk in the vanity of their mind, the futility of their thinking having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and so this passage says they knew God, they knew he's this all-powerful God, and yet they did not glorify him. And when that, res- when that happened, they were not thankful to him. And when that happened, they became vain in their imaginations. And when that happened, their foolish heart was darkened. It's just a progression, isn't it? And, and, yet, and all of that, they say, we are wise. Yeah. We have thought of something like all of this gender confusion today that no one else has ever thought of. They think they're so wise to say we have a hundred different genders and, and let a five-year-old child pick which gender he is and oh we are wise and if you don't do this you are the intolerant one Mm. that's where we're at in our culture 
Sick. And it is truly dangerous, dear friends. We need to turn to the Lord. There is a religious anarchy as man rejects God and fails to give him glory. There is a intellectual anarchy when man knows who God is and rejects him. And then this leads then to a moral anarchy. So we're going to look at that now as we see not just the causes, the causes being a truth suppression and then a truth rejection and then a truth elimination. And now we're going to look at the three consequences when God gives up and delivers a culture over to his wrath. It's as if God withdraws his restraining grace and he allows the consequences of sin to take their inevitable, destructive course. So, Micah, as man falls into holding down the truth, ignoring God and creation, exchanging his glory for created things, what is the first thing, as it says in verse 24, God gives them up to do? Um, well, you know, can I just piggyback yeah, on the sure. climate change a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I agree. <laughs> you with, like to talk about that one, I know. <laughs> I do, you know, we've talked about it at length, but I, I just I just feel like it's the biggest worship, the biggest religion right and now. And people have, good spreading. people, good people have good questions about it mm-hmm. as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, we don't mock it. We don't mock the no. idea that we're supposed to take care of the earth. We look back at That's Genesis right. 1 and 2 and says that God gave Adam dominion and he was supposed to take care of the earth. But, you know, it's become, as Pastor Bickle was saying, it's become this religion. You know, I saw a picture of the Statue of Liberty this week taken in 1898, I think it was, 125 years ago, and the water level was at the exact <laughs> same yeah. place as right. a picture taken this week. So the water has not risen even inches. Yeah. And somebody there. said just a few years ago that the water's going to be up to the you know the elbow, elbow of yeah. of the Statue of Liberty. You yeah. Know, and it's uh, just total fear-mongering yeah. to control. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a, a leading converse, uh, conservationist named Jane Goodall, she's that famous woman who lived with chimpanzees in Africa for many years. You know, she recently spoke at the World Economic Forum and she said, "We cannot hide away from human population growth because it underlies so many of the other problems. All these things we talk about wouldn't be a problem if the world was the size of the population that it was 500 years ago. Well, I looked it up, and the world population was only half a billion people 500 years ago. So mm-hmm. that number... You think they want to get rid of us? Is well, that what we, well, we have 8 billion people in the, now, yeah. in, in, the, in the world now, and she's talking about half a billion. So that's 7.5 billion of us that are a quote-unquote a problem. You know, this religion of earth worship, it's in the form of the green yeah. agenda, and it sounds like the exact opposite of God's words to Adam and Noah, be fruitful and multiply and replenish yeah. the earth. The That's opposite. Right. That is the opposite. Yeah. And and God will keep this earth intact because he holds it, he holds it together by his power. Mm-hmm. And his plan is going to come to pass as it's revealed in the word of God. And This world should not just be concerned about global warming. They should be concerned deeply about the judgment of God that's falling. Mm -hmm. And it's going to bring fire. So we need to come to know the Lord. Okay, so we we do have a call here. And uh, Pat, nice to have you back with us this evening. And you're on the Heritage of Faith Conversations program. I, I love what you're saying tonight because it is true. And I was up three o'clock this morning reading Isaiah 40 and um, verses 18 to 20 just speak of exactly what you're saying. Men making gods of themselves. There is 
something in man that God had put into the soul of man from day one. And I, as I, in my Sunday school class, I say it's a chip. God put a chip into man so that they can never um, not know he is. He is. So mm, the way our, we, our men have been doing is try to avoid that um, knowledge by creating molding and graven images and the goldsmith spread out over the gold and has um, iron and chains. Isaiah 18 and 20, I was reading it 3 o'clock this morning, mm. and I love what you're saying. And today, I agree with you 100% because mm. um, these lines that you spoke about in, um, in, um, in Romans, it is true. And you, Pastor, you said you were not a believer but God had put that chip into you from the day that you were conceived. So you have come to the reality of what God has done for everyone. And even the aborted babies, as soon as you were conceived, God put that chip into that soul. Mm. That's Amen. all I have to say. Yeah. Thank you, Pat. That's beautiful, and we appreciate that. And it is true. I knew there was a God even when I said there was no God. I just had to repent. I had to change my mind. And I had to believe that Jesus Christ is that Lord. And it was the greatest day of my life when Jesus saved me, for sure. And I know we all who know Christ testify of that. So, Micah, getting back to that question then of the consequences of God giving up and delivering a culture. And when he holds down that truth, he ignores God, exchanges his glory for created things. God gives them up. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about the first thing God gives man over to. Yeah, I mean, the first thing is idolatry, which we've been talking about. Um, I love that Isaiah 40 passage that was just mentioned by Pat because it talks about the actual idols built of gold and silver. And um, even Pastor Carmine was speaking this morning in our church service about how, you know, in our society, that's not the way that we do it. Um, You know, our idols are power, money, sex, family, uh, success, you know, name, pick your poison. Um, but But I would say that I actually... You know, there are people in this country who do actually still worship idols. I was I yeah. encountered somebody recently who had um, some Buddhist idols in their home, <clears throat> and I was in the home, and yeah. I didn't know that they were there. And I went to this corner sort of and kind of like looked back behind the curtain, and it hit me. Actually, it like physically hit my spirit like a ton of bricks. And so, you know, whether we're worshiping those physical idols of old or whether we're worshiping money, you know, God is saying he has given over these people to that idolatry. And in Roman Catholic churches, there are idols galore. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the Roman Catholic leaders, in their deceptive nuance of saying, oh, we don't worship them, we only give ultimate worship to God. Listen, if you fall down before mm-hmm. an, a, some kind of an image, you're worshiping that image. Mm-hmm. If you fall down before a man, even as Cornelius did to Peter, he was, in a sense in a way, worshiping Peter, said, get up, I'm a man like you. Yeah. And if you talk to somebody who has died, and you're communicating to them, as the Catholic Church does in the Hail Marys, they're worshiping Mary. Mm-hmm. They can nuance it however they want, but mm-hmm. it, is, it is worship, and it's idolatry. Yeah. And so there's all kinds of idolatry as well. Man give, And then man gives himself, the way I look at it here is, when man rejects the true God in this way, God gives them up to ruinous lusts to dishonor themselves between themselves. Mm -hmm. Pastor Bickle, did you want to add to that? Well, I was just uh, thinking that verse 24 
what God gives them up to could be summed up in one word. It's immorality yeah. uh, in which they are given over to uncleanness, uh, just fulfilling their own lustful desires. And uh, it's interesting that there are three times, verse 24, verse 26, verse 28, in which God gives them up, gives them over. It's the same word, but it's progressive stages uh, that God gives them over to something or to someone, and then they become in bondage to yeah. their evil lusts. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was just a couple of weeks ago when uh, Mayor Adams was at an interfaith service, and he said something to the effect that he was a man of faith, and uh, he said when we kicked the Bible out of the public school, guns came in and replaced yep. it. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's one thing, but immorality has really swallowed up mm. our our young people mm-hmm. as a result. I remember that we had uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer and a passage of Scripture that was read every morning up until uh, my fifth grade year mm. in school. And uh, all of that, of course, has changed, and immorality has swept in when we kick the Bible out. Yeah, and the idea of God giving them up, it, it means when they do these things, they don't see them as wrong. They don't see their immorality. They don't see that that their abortion is wrong. They don't see that the adultery is wrong. They, they don't see many of these things that God says are clearly sin uh, as wrong. Just as like all this gender confusion, they, they don't think that it's wrong for a, a, a girl, a, a 13-year-old girl to remove her body parts to become a boy. Mm. They don't see that as wrong. And so it's like God gives them over to their uncleanness and to the lust of their own heart because they're not seeking the joy and the peace that comes through Jesus Christ. They're seeking it through other means. Mm. And so uh, let, let's go into this as well. Uh, Pastor Jim, the second thing, the second consequence is that God then gives them over to vile affections, where then next men and women change the natural use of, of, of a relationship between a man and a woman into something else. So what is Paul talking about in this passage, and what is this natural use phrase that is referenced twice by Paul? What does that speak about? Well, he's clearly saying that the next stage from immorality is homosexuality. And, uh, of course, God is the one... Just be a little more direct about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's about right. But that's, I mean, what else can you say, right? Oh, go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, God is the one that established uh, a uh, monogamous marriage relationship uh, for mankind. And what Paul is saying is that when we reject God's truth then that gets replaced by homosexual relationships uh, instead of heterosexual in marriage. And so that's exactly what we are up against. And I remember when it really began to pick up steam in the 80s and the 90s, there was that AIDS epidemic, and there was the coming out of the closet and gay pride, and uh, it was supported by anti-discrimination laws, and now it's uh, full steam ahead. Yeah. Charles Hodge says in one of his writings that Paul, in speaking about homosexuality, he first speaks about the women falling into this sin, even before the men. 
Hmm. And Hodge said that when females fall into this Hmm. sin, it's because women are... And he puts the females first, because when women fall into such sin, it's always the women last to be affected by the decay of morals in a society. Hmm. So when even the women become corrupt morally... It's as if all virtue and the culture is gone. Mm. Yeah, a recent survey from George Barna shockingly reported that 40, nearly 40% of Generation Z identify as LGBTQ, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and questioning. And other surveys... They Wait, are, what was that? I'm sorry, say uh, that percentage again? 40, almost 40% Generation Z. Other surveys <laughs> aren't quite so high, but still stunningly yeah, high. Gallup said... of adults in Generation Z, so they're not all adults yet, they identify as LGBTQ, while less than 2% of adults over age 65 do. So what in the world has shifted to cause this contagion among younger generations? Well, we know that children younger and younger are being introduced to sexual topics in school and in the media, and that being LGBTQ is now considered cool. But the truth underneath this explosion is that it's a symptom of a world which has rejected the one true God, and that's what we're seeing today, and it was predicted 2,000 years ago. Hmm. Yeah, and it is really significant that he says even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And then likewise, also the men leaving the natural use really who started it first Mm. and then who followed it's the men who would have gone first into it Mm. and then the women who would have followed but paul reverses that order Mm. and he even puts the women first as i said earlier and i want to say some just a statement about the idea of the natural use Mm. the natural use is that which is inborn in us Mm -hmm. and the natural use is a man with a woman because that that is agreeable and consistent with how the the only way that humanity can survive yeah. is that a, when a man is with a woman and children are are born and conceived out of that relationship and so that's the natural use and so nature's law is against homosexuality yeah. as 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 much as people want to argue against us and maybe will even hate us for what we're saying here tonight mm-hmm. we have to stand on the word of god nature's law is for relationship between a marriage of a man, a biologically born man, and a biologically born woman to come together and conceive children together. It's very clear in the animal kingdom. (laughs) They don't practice this, you know, natural use. You know, um, Pastor Jim, so some argue that, that Paul was talking about exploitive forms of homosexuality such as temple prostitution, in Romans 1, you know, so there's, yeah. there are, again, people who say they're Christians who are using Romans chapter 1 to say, this is not speaking against loving homosexual relationships, but it's talking about exploitive forms of homosexuality, such as temple prostitution and other forms of, of violent of violent uh, sexual relationships, but not a loving relationship. So what do we say to this? How do we counter that argument, would you say? Well, Paul had a Genesis 2.24 worldview very clearly Mm -hmm. that uh, God formulated and established a heterosexual, monogamous marriage, uh, one at a time, husband-wife relationship, yeah. And uh, and history proves the fact that the Roman Empire 
had homosexuality that was rampant in it. Hmm. It was a society that accepted freeborn males to indulge in homosexual relationships. And in fact, I think that you can uh, read in history that that was one of the contributing factors mm-hmm. to the demise of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Micah, did you want to add to that? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just say there is a clip that I forwarded around to many, many people of a woman who's a liberal, not a Christian, who talks about this. And she says that she has done historical research on it and found that many societies that once they they collapse she looks back at what was happening just before and this is what was going on just before but you know when people try to explain away the straightforward language in this passage twisting the words up in knots it always reminds me of the subtle serpent in the garden tempting eve to eat that forbidden fruit the serpent mm-hmm. basically said you know half god said did god really say what you think he said maybe he got it wrong maybe you didn't understand him mm-hmm. um and he he just tries to confuse us folks we cannot allow Satan or anyone else to twist Scripture for their own justification. God means what he says, and any serious person can understand these plain words. Yeah, and in the law, it clearly says, I'll read Leviticus 18.22. It says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. And now, of course, then some people come along and say, well, we're not under the law. And that's true. We're not under the law. But there are certain principles in the law that carry over to the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And this is clearly one of them. Mm -hmm. In fact, Paul, I believe, takes the Septuagint words. The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scripture. Mm -hmm. And there's two words in the Greek Septuagint from this verse of lie and men. And Paul takes these two words, and in a sense, he fuses them together, and he makes his own word, and he uses it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9, also 1 Timothy chapter 1. But I'll just read here in 1 Timothy 6, 9, where Paul says, Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. That's the, that's the, 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 the soft feminized man, the effeminate, nor abusers of themselves, with mankind. That statement comes from a Greek word that comes from these two words out of the the law text. Mm. And so I believe by Paul using those words, he's saying that that principle of homosexuality written in the law of Moses carries over to our culture and is an eternal principle Mm -hmm. of the word of God. And the Jerusalem council, didn't they say that the Gentiles, yeah, they didn't have to live under the law, but they still had to abstain from sexual immorality. So that includes this. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, brother. Well, um, so as we continue this, the third time we look at this statement in Romans chapter 1, God gave them up. The third time is in verse 28, where it says, God gave them over then to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So what does a reprobate mind mean? And is this some form of a culmination of God's wrath? So this will really, we'll we'll all talk Mm. about this. Michael, could you start us off on that? What, What is this reprobate mind speak Mm. of? Uh, well, let me answer that question by reading just a few recent headlines. <laughs> First one, zoo hosts all-ages drag show for children and infants. Reprobate mind. Second one, New York City wants to have five safe drug injection sites where addicts can use their own drugs under the watch of medical professionals. Third one, 
just this week. Mm. President Biden said efforts to restrict transgender rights is close to sinful. And last yeah. one, California seeks to be an abortion sanctuary state, helping out-of-state patients seeking abortion. You read these, and you just have to ask yourself, has the world completely gone mad? And according to Paul, the answer is yes, because completely mad is just another way of saying given over to a reprobate mind. Mm. Yeah. Pastor Jim? Well, the word reprobate actually is a word that uh, means disapproved. It comes out of the context of uh, the testing of metal for Mm. coinage. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm. if the coin, if the metal was not pure enough, then it was rejected. Mm. It was disapproved to be used as, uh, as in, in the mint, in the minting of coins. And so what he's saying here is that uh, when you reject God's truth, when a nation or a culture rejects God's truth, then God in turn rejects that culture. And in doing so, he turns them over to do things that are improper, to do things that are not fitting. Uh, he lets them descend into their own insanity. Mm. And I believe that's what verse 28, it it starts with immorality in verse 24. It then goes to the next stage, which is homosexuality in verse 26. And when you get to verse 28, it's absolute insanity. And that's where we are in our culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And man has has rejected God from their thoughts. And, And, you know, it's amazing, too, that those who are taking these positions of insanity call themselves social justice warriors <laughs> and yet they're incapable of actually making moral judgments yeah. and that's what the idea of reprobate mind as well means so we have just a minute or so pastor jim could you give us in just a minute we have left some of the cure what would you say to someone seeking for a cure okay we talked about all the problems what's the cure well it's interesting that the book of romans really gives us the cure mm. and uh The cure, ironically, is while Christians are the ones that probably are the most hated because we are all anti what the culture wants, Mm -hmm. Christians are God's solution. We are the cure. In in fact, in the first chapter of Romans, prior to the second half that we've been looking at tonight, Paul is on his way to Rome. Mm -hmm. Paul is concerned about Rome. He wants to preach the gospel there, and that's the cure. It's not okay. The culture is uh, is shot through. Uh, you know, we give up on it. No. New York City, the United States of America, the proper Christian response is take the gospel to them. Mm-hmm. That's the cure. Mm-hmm. And that's the responsibility of the believer. Amen. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Micah? Mm-hmm. Well, I was just going to say, if you exchange the truth of God for a lie, then it's time to exchange it back. You know, take it, take it mm-hmm. back to the store just like you took that you know, item of clothing that didn't mm-hmm. fit. It's time to embrace the Lord Jesus, to glorify him, to hold dear all that he has already written in your heart, friends. So this is the time to make that better exchange for the truth. Amen. And you know, where it says God gave them up, it's like God delivered them over to these things, to their ruinous lusts, reverse desires, and ultimately a reprobate mind. But the good news is that very same word is used of God delivering over and up His Son, Amen. Jesus Amen. Christ. Amen. He was delivered up for us to die on the cross for our sins. And He is our hope to deliver us from the immorality, from the ignorance, the idolatry that is pervading our culture. Come to Jesus. 
He loves you. Live for him. Thank you, Pastor Jim. Thank you, Mike, as always. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website, hbcnyc.org. And join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another 